Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become patron today are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports well look no further than prize picks prize picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game why because it's so easy to use and win you can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today. What's good, everybody? Welcome to A Hard Sell Podcast, episode 226. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. Brian, what's up, man? Two things. One, uh, if you know, you know, RIP to J-Rod on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that, was a big, that was a big thing that happened over the weekend where there was some uh, identity theft uh, that went on there. So if you know, you know. Uh, two, Naoya Inui at the morning oh, yeah, yes, when we yes, recorded yes, this. Yes, 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 yes. Pound for pound, top five boxer in the world starts Nonito Donaire. I just want to say that Inoue, um is thirteen and zero with twelve knockouts in his last thirteen fights. Overall, I believe he's twenty two and zero with eighteen knockouts or something like that. If you haven't seen it, people, sensational stuff. Um, am I allowed to eulogize the Miami Heat since we haven't recorded since their season ended today? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, you know, it's funny. I had something for you that I should have I should have had ready 
for you that I didn't do. Oh, you, God. I know you, what it is. You, you, now you can go on and eulogize it. He go on. You can go on. Because <laughs> it gives you time to find the shit. <laughs> no, you can go on and eulogize it. I got no time to find it. I stay ready, man. I'm, no not, I'm, not, I'm not going to go crazy. All I'm going to yes, say. Yes, he is. Yes, I'm he not, is. So. No, no. All I'm going to say is that, look, put some respect on the motherfucker's name because they had a great season. And I think that they're going to come back and have a better team next year because of the things that they're going to do in the offseason. I don't know how big they're going to be, but you have the Duncan Robinson contract. I don't think Kyle Lowry's going anywhere. Tyler Hero, I'm back and forth on as to whether or not he actually goes anywhere. But And and I just want to say, mm-hmm. if, if, if there's somebody who has proven me right over the last three years, it's absolutely Jimmy Butler. And he did shit that I wasn't sure he was capable of, as one of the biggest Jimmy Butler optimists will find. Remember, during the pandemic, uh, before the NBA, I think it was before the NBA Finals, or maybe right after, we did yeah. a, a player A versus player B, and I wrote, yeah, off, yeah. I, I read off the stats and accomplishments for Chris Mullen, and then for Jimmy Butler, and uh, <laughs> back then we were like, mm, you know, I was on the Jimmy Butler side already, but like, yo, I think he's in a little bit of a different stratosphere now after what he's done in the playoffs this year. <laughs> you take, yeah, I mean, no, I think he is. I think there's this discussion that. You can talk about with people, and it's fair to be like, is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Famer? And in my mind, I say yes. Mm. He probably still has a little bit more work to do. But I think if you a basketball at, reference, I think the probability is above 70% or something like I that. I like that because look, you gotta look at one, it's the whole body of work, right? Don't you can say, oh, Jimmy Butler doesn't win a championship, and all you other idiots out there who are just all about the rings. No, look at this team, this man led in the bubble to the finals. Then look again at what he did this year. And there's an argument to be made, even in losing, he was the best player in that series. There's a strong argument for that, in my opinion. And I think it is. Trust me, if there was no Jimmy Butler, that Miami Heat team gets swept. If there was no Jimmy Butler, to even be honest with you, they don't even get there. Because, you know, they got a lot of issues offensively. But Jimmy Butler showed up. He showed up in the beginning of the series. He was injured in the middle of the series. He gutted out and played big-time games. I've said this on another show. I said this on the, the homie Nick Medellinos' show. Don't yep. give me any of that about he shouldn't have took the three. Look, if you was carrying a team and they weren't doing anything else, I'd have took that three, too. That's like all shot. I'm saying. I like the and shot. I just want to say I that. Like the the shot. I, like, I like the I, shot. Yeah. No, nah, but Jimmy Butler, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm not like team heat or anything with having the heat pom-poms, but I think you got to put respect on what dude has done. And dude, in my opinion – is a Hall of Famer. Like, he's right on there, but I just don't see how he doesn't get in at the end of his career. If he's doing this and is the best player on his team, and if he ever does lead the Heat to a championship, well, I mean, then it's automatic. But I think whether he does or not, to me, what he's been able to do with elevating his team and what he's done, I'm going to say this. Y'all going to think I sound like Brian on this. What this this does matters, and he does it in the playoffs, guys. Mm-hmm. That matters. Y'all want to laud everything about what somebody does and how they do it. This guy is a playoff performer. There's Draymond talks about the 16 game players and the 82 game players. Jimmy Butler's a 16 game player. You're playing for the U in the 82, but you can count on him through the, for that 16. And yeah. that to me is Hall of Fame worthy already. And he knew that if he if he did what he did in the play, like he can do that in the regular season, but yeah, no he, doubt he'll, he'll break down. Like he knows yeah. that. You know what I mean? What's the point? Six All-Stars, four All-NBAs, five All-Defenses. Didn't get All-NBA this year. Probably should have. And, you know, one most improved and led a team to the finals. So I think he has a Hall of Fame as resume. So I 
I, and if we know something, we're not going to get into like all the Pat Riley comments. And if you want that stuff, I did something with Pace and Spaces yesterday, Five Reasons Sports. We talked about that. We had like 200 people in there at one point. So we were doing the spaces for like two hours talking about what Riley said. And Riley's 77 years old. They're obviously going to go for it again. And they're going to be competitive again. And they're probably going to be contenders again. Now it's just a matter of, you know, what do they build around Jimmy Butler and Bam? I think the two main things that they need that this playoff revealed uh, is shot creation and mm-hmm. shot creation and length. Length because, and I think Bam's your center still, but if Bam's going to switch out onto peri- to the perimeter as much as he does, which is what they do schematically, you'd rather somebody be back there that can protect the rim a little bit and not put the, the large onus on P.J. Tucker, who is 37 years old, who's going to need a reprieve, assuming you bring them back if they absolutely want to. So, you know, great season for them. And, uh, yeah, we can move on with the – Are are you sad? Are you you sad that you you don't uh, get to talk about your heat anymore? I I am annoyed. I am annoyed. Like, that's really (laughs) all this shit was to get Celtics Warriors. And the reason why I say it like that – Wait, wait, wait. wait, I'm sorry. Say that again? I said all this shit just to get Celtics Warriors. What do you mean all this shit? Are you trying to say this was a conspiracy, Ryan? No, 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 no. But I'm saying, like, I don't like when the casuals get what they want. And all along, this is more, this is too, again, like I joked about, semi-joked about, at the end of the uh, conference finals, these are two of the four or five teams that people, uh, that casual media have been paying attention to all year long. So they get what they want. Instead of having to learn how to pronounce Max Struess's name properly, uh, or, you know, how to, you know, where did Dorian Finney-Smith go to high school or something like that? Like, instead of having to step out of their comfort zone, it's like, oh, Celtics Warriors. We know those guys for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, it was all season. It was Celtics Warriors, Heat. I mean. Ah, they are. You slipped up. You said the Heat was, didn't talk about. No, they weren't, actually. <laughs> you know that, too. Celtics, Warriors, <laughs> Nets, Lakers, and who's the, who's the other team I'm blanking on? Because I don't oh, even think it was Phoenix. Did you say Nets? Yeah, Nets, Lakers. Oh, Sixers. Sixers, Sixers would be the other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks probably don't even get to some of The they, Suns they, weren't getting a, it either. And But, but I mean, it was a, I do agree. It was a good season. It was a good season for the Miami Heat. You can't hate on them in any kind of way. But if you've been watching the NBA Exchange, you know what we do. I know what's coming. When a team <laughs> is out of the playoffs. You got to show him the proper respect. This one. Gerard got it for his Memphis Grizzlies. Brian, so it's Gerard, I hope you watch. And his Miami Heat. We're going <laughs> to show him the proper respect in the way that we should. Here we go. Salute, salute to the Miami Heat on a great season. Brian knew it was coming. It had to be coming. You know, gotta you, stay you, on brand. We gotta you, stay on you brand. Gotta stay on brand. This wasn't NBA exchange where you still get taps played on you. Like I said, hey, y'all, y'all can come at me anytime. You're like, we played taps on the Knicks a long time ago. So anybody can come, on, come, come at me for that. Like it is what it is. What look, it is. look, and and the Knicks have a a summer and a draft to look forward to. 
that I think could be very, very important. And I have to, and it's funny because I, I mean, I meant to text you yesterday and I have to text you. But there's something I'll mention here, but I can't fully say on the podcast, mm-hmm. but it, re- it regards something you and I talked to before around the Knicks uh, and a certain player. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We're gonna talk yeah. about the play on the podcast, but I have to. I did. I I checked in on some information, but we'll 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 uh we'll talk about that. Uh, to keep it to basketball, we get this thing kicked off. Uh, NBA finals underway. We are tied at one through the first couple of games. Brian's dream matchup of the Celtics and Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what have you thought of these first couple of games? Because I thought this would be a long series, big. I picked the Warriors in six. Same. Um, Same exact pick. But I understand people who went the other way. I, th- I just thought this was going to be a very fascinating series from a basketball strategic standpoint. I at least thought that, right? Um, what have you thought about these games? Because first game, you got Boston going crazy in the fourth quarter, which was shocking. Yeah. Uh, second game, the Warriors do again what they do in the third quarter, but then they close out well in the fourth. Like, I don't even know who feels great going into game three. That's kind of my thing. Like, who feels great about game three? I'm not sure you do. What do you think? I kind of think that as I'm looking up some numbers now, just to have them in front of me, I kind of think that we're on the pathway to another just split when we go to Boston. I agree with Somebody you. I think so, too. Like, whoever wins mm-hmm. game three, lose game four, and then we'll go back to Golden State 2-2. And then I think from there, maybe Golden State gets their act together and actually wins the, fa- the last two games. Um, but I think that's where we're heading because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't feel great about these first two games. Like, if I'm Boston, it's like, all right, we had one great quarter and there was a lot of talk about Boston winning quarters uh, against in the Miami series. They had the one big quarter in the fourth quarter, which is shocking, as you mentioned, because it's like Golden State usually does that to other teams, right? Like, they turn it on against other teams and they're able to make some plays down the stretch. And one of the things I was telling people was, like, this is not a Styles makes fights sort of thing where it's like, you have offense versus defense because Golden State is also great defensively. The problem is Golden State is also undisciplined like Boston is. Like There are a lot of similarities here, even though they play their offense in very different ways. Like Golden State's offense is better, no question. Uh, the Celtics have some tough shot makers, as we've seen throughout the course of the series. And then you have you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, though they haven't had a ton of, tur- of turnovers yet. They've been pretty loose with the ball throughout the playoffs. I think before yep. this series, Jason Tatum was averaging like four or five turnovers a game throughout the playoffs. And Jalen Brown was in the three, three point two range or something like that, which I thought was more because I feel like I've seen him lose handle every single game multiple times. It was happening a lot in the Heat series. It happened a lot in the Bucks series as well. And those are two of the best defenses in the league. Golden State is another one of those great defenses. So, yeah, I think that I'm, like, I'm sticking with my pick in terms of predictions, and I still think Curry is going to be in route to finals MVP. Um, game two is a little bit more of how I thought game one was going to go, and it started that way until the fourth quarter, so I found that interesting. But, again, I'm the guy who says weird stuff always happens in game one, so I wasn't you know, sort of going to jump off a bridge and change my pick or anything like that yeah. because of what happened in game one. But at the same time... I was like, huh, that's interesting because I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect Boston to win that way. And they did. Yeah, they shot the lights out. Yeah. I thought you couldn't overreact to game one. I expected the Warriors to respond well in game two. I just, you know, it's interesting. The third quarter is something interesting to me to watch because Golden State has been fantastic in third quarters throughout this dynastic run that they've had. And then Boston's been terrible in third quarters all season, all season long, even when they started playing better basketball, they've never really been strong. 
Even in the uh, playoffs. The happened the against playoffs. the Bucks a couple times. Yeah. Happened against the Heat. Yeah, also. my concern has always been with them closing out. To even some degree, you had to be scared about how they closed out the series against the Heat. They did not look good down the stretch. Um, and they were Jimmy Butler missed three away from feeling maybe probably having one of the worst collapses of all time. Yeah. Um, if yeah. that had happened. So there's concerns with them. I think for me it's the turnovers. Like you said, I don't I've heard people make that comparison, that boxing thing, right? Like it's a it's a different styles that make the fight. And I understand what people are going for. I think the only thing different stylistically is how the players look. If that's not even really a stylistic thing, it's just about the length, right? Like Boston has so much length. The Warriors don't have that, but the Warriors move so fluidly without the ball. So there's so many ways you can beat them. And it's testing Boston's defense. I think what each team does well tests the other team. And that's the real interesting thing about this series where I'm sometimes it's like, I don't know what to get. It's predictable. I don't know who has the advantage in game three. I don't know how things can get much better. I think Golden State's going to go in there very confident. It wouldn't shock me if they won game three. It wouldn't shock me if with the backs of the wall, the Celtics won game four. That wouldn't shock me at all either. So, But I think it's an enjoyable series. Um, I just wonder what this, what the Warriors are going to continue to do with size, how that's going to work for them, how they're going to match up. Robert Williams does not look like himself. Um, is Marcus Smart able to frustrate Curry? And, Brian, I'll ask you this too. Because he's not looking good. Clay Thompson does not look good. Yeah. Um, he shot the ball terribly <laughs> through two games. Yeah. And I think that he has to be better, shoot better. I, he doesn't have to be all world great. I've said this at the beginning of the series. I said, look, he's got, I call him an X Factor. I talked about this with Gerard on the exchange. He has to be around a 20 point per game score, consistently shooting efficiently. If he does that, that bodes well for the Warriors. If he does not, I don't think they they, they they are fortunate to be at 1-1 when you think about how bad Clay has been. And Curry's yeah. played very good in the two games. Not great. He hasn't had a great game yet. He had a great quarter in the first game, but he's played very good. If they get Clay going or Poole ends up starting getting a little hot, now the Warriors are cooking. That's yeah. It. Did you like did you like Draymond trying to antagonize the Celtics? Because I did. <laughs> yeah, of course. When you read. Of course you did. Of course. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, look, he can be annoying sometimes. And I have I have some issues with, like, you know, some of the shit he just says in general, like the new media and all this bullshit that I went on a rant about. On I saw your rant on Twitter. The predictable, yeah, people, predictable rant from you, but yes. A lot of people were agreeing with me in my DMs. I'll say that much. You should have had the boss retweeted me, though. But what, but what I'll say is, like, with Draymond Green, like, I was saying in the last series that Grant Williams was going to be PJ Tucker in 10 years. And so when they would antagonize one another, it would be like looking in the mirror almost. And you get some of that with Draymond Green, though. I think Grant Williams isn't necessarily that. I think he thinks he is that. And, you know, you hear some things about Grant Williams, like people, people talk about like how much he thinks he's a leader and he overestimates himself and whatever. Like you hear things on other podcasts and things of that nature that I find very interesting. I don't know enough about Grant Williams personally. I just know that I did like him in college, but I didn't think he was going to be this, Um, you know, because Tennessee kept coming up to New York City for some reason at Barclays and stuff like that for different tournaments. But yeah, I I like that. And that's something that like I, when we, when we first got this series, it was something I circled was Jamon Green, Grant Williams, because you know, they're going to get matched up at different times. Um, I feel like Draymond Green is going to get feisty with Al Horford, you know, like all that things. And it's like, 
Draymond Green, you could tell he really didn't like losing game one, and he came out and he was like, look, I'm going to get a tech, I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to antagonize people, and that's what I'm going to do. And I think he's going to do – he's going to do that on the road for sure. That Boston crowd is going to absolutely boo Draymond every time he touches the ball, and it's going to get louder throughout the game. I think that if Draymond has a big game there, that'll be something to watch because that'll be a lot of fun. And I can see that happening in game three or four for sure. I can see that, especially a big game where he makes some clutch plays or clutch passes. I can see that maybe he gets a, a triple-double on him. I, I can see it. That, that'll that be good. I like seeing the Boston crowd angry, so that should be that that should be fun. Same here. I, same here. <laughs> I like, like seeing them angry. All right, moving on to some other NBA news. Um, this was kind of shocking, but not shocking. And the talk, me talking about this is more about the ramifications of it. But Quinn Snyder resigning uh, as head coach of the Utah Jazz. The white dudes always get allowed to resign, Dex. Well, they ain't got to worry, worry about being fired he, as much. He had a press conference. He had a press – they gave him a press conference on the you way knew, You knew stuff <laughs> You knew stuff was brewing when Tim McMahon had reported months ago – this is back in, like, February or March – about, oh, he hadn't, like, had any talks about him having an extension. And, you know, they've been a really good regular season team. Although, if you watch this podcast – or anything else, you will know that Brian and I both never believed in the Jazz. Brian doesn't believe in a certain player that plays uh, center for the Jazz. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Um, I'm, I, I was very sus on this team, particularly the last two years. He said they need a new voice. I actually, to be fair, I'm not sure that was the problem, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure it was him. But I understand what – I'll give Quinn Side some credit. I think there's a lot to be said for people who look at something and say, you know what, man, this is a sinking ship. It's probably never going to get better than what it was for us this year. And he said, peace, I'm out. And, and I don't I think, think he gets he's... paid. He gets paid for a year to just not coach now. Because... Yeah, he can recharge. I don't know. You know, he said he had some other Maybe health issues going on. He had to recharge and do that. He'll get another job. I think Quinn Snyder is a good coach. Um, I think the issues in Utah are deeper than that in terms of roster construction. There's really no help around that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who we'll talk about in a second, and is very impacted by this. Um, to me, has not really gotten better as a playmaker. Um, and then, you know, Rudy Gobert has offensive limitations while a fantastic defensive player, offensive limitations, all this other stuff. Yep. To me, it's more roster construction. I don't know what they do from this, but then you see this come out. And this was interesting to me. All right, Snyder leaves. Now you hear Mitchell is unnerved and bothered. I believe that was a word reported by Adrian Wojnarowski and all this stuff. And that sounds to me like somebody who's like, yeah, I try to be here no more. And there's yeah. been a lot of rumors about Donovan Mitchell. A lot of rumors about him linked to the Knicks. All right. You've seen a lot of things. He was at a Rangers game recently. He was, uh, his, Adidas and him have a partnership with Rucker Park uptown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Harlem. Doing a lot of things in the New York area. That's only sparking a lot more of this. His dad works for the Mets. He's dad a big Mets fan. The whole thing. He's from New York, from New York State, upstate a little bit. I think Westchester, that area. Glen Falls. Yeah, Glen Falls. It's around Saratoga Springs, Lake George, that area. Where they used to host the uh, Federation of Basketball Championships. I don't know fucking why in Glen Falls, but whatever. Another story for another Nice, day. Nice area up there. It's, it's a nice area up there. But here's my question for you. What do you think about the Donovan Mitchell trade rumors? A lot of trade rumors about him to the Knicks. Uh, if you're the Knicks, do you get? Do you try to get him? 
especially with the draft coming up soon. If mm-hmm. you're the Jazz, do you try to sell high on him now? Um, especially if he doesn't if he doesn't want to be there. Do, what do you what do you do? What do you what do you think about all these rumors? I have a Utah's cap situation in front of me. Okay, that should be good. Um, Rudy Gobert. Uh, because we saw, I, I I heard that Jake Fisher reported that it's more likely that Rudy is the guy that gets traded because they're trying to appease Donovan Mitchell by bringing in Johnny Bryant, who's the associate head coach of the New York right. Knicks, um, which is a rumor that's going around now. Um, CAA, that whole thing, this is guy, whatever. I don't know. I I had felt like at some point Donovan would ask out. And then they go in that direction of keeping Gobert, moving Mitchell, getting what you can get for Mitchell, and then rebuilding it. Not necessarily around Gobert, but with Gobert, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing, I guess. But I, it looks like they might go in the opposite direction. We don't really know. The draft is in two weeks. And from there, we're just starting because free agency is a week after. But Rudy Gobert is making $37 million next year. And then that goes to 40, 43, and 46 in 2025-26. That's the year that people are afraid of. I mean, whatever. I think that some teams like Charlotte, Atlanta, um, some people have thrown out Dallas. I think some teams should try to go after Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert with Luka Doncic is interesting. Um, Donovan Mitchell's getting 30 next year, then 32.6, then about 35. Then he has an option for 37 in that final year. That's That expires the same year that uh, Rudy Gobert's does. And then from there, you have Mike Conley for two more years, which is interesting. And he's looking, I don't want to say cook, that's pretty strong, but not like peak Mike Conley, we'll say. Right. Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, you know, everybody else is like pretty affordable, movable. But you just don't have a great team there in terms of contendership. And you're in a Western Conference where like the Clippers are assuming that Kawhi comes back next year and plays. They should be pretty good. And who knows what they can do around the margins in terms of are they going to get a point guard? Are they going to be in the market for somebody to, you know, team up with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Denver should be healthy. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray coming back with Nikola Jokic, who dragged them to the playoffs again this year. Who knows if the Lakers can turn something around, you know, like with LeBron James. I mean, I guess you can't totally count them out all the time. And they got Darvin Ham now, who presumably is supposed to be a good coach. I don't I'm not going to bank on the Lakers for shit. But I'm just saying, like, who, who is like, would you really be surprised if the Lakers are better than the Jazz next year? Because I wouldn't, right? And it's so interesting to me because it's like, I see this going one of two ways. It's really this simple. It's either Mitchell goes and Gobert stays or Gobert goes and Mitchell stays. And we've heard that there's a lot of interest with the Knicks and Mitchell. The other team that I've heard is Miami and our Greg Sylvander from Five Reasons Sports, who we've had on the podcast recently, has reported that on multiple occasions that. Miami uh, likes Donovan and vice versa. And the trade package that you're seeing go around there, if that would have happened, is something along the lines of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Omer Yurtsevin, multiple first-round picks. I think the Knicks could piece together a better package because they can offer more picks and they have uh, other players, though I wouldn't want to give up R.J. Barrett. And the Heat would have to give up Tyler Hero. And where the Heat might have the advantage is Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Omer, you're seven, Utah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Except, the marketability is right yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. You like, know? So yeah, so yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen. Utah, Utah knew that they were in trouble as a franchise when they couldn't get like Gordon Hayward stay there. White dude was like, "Nah, I don't want to be in Utah." Yeah, you're assuming, but he did go to Boston. To be fair, <laughs> here's the thing: Boston is 
not Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> the two look, are look, not the, the same. We, we got Latinos in Boston. We got some black folks in Boston. But, Boston. yeah, in Salt Lake City, <laughs> no. they're the players. They got That's Sundance, it. you know? Right. <laughs> you, Tyler Hero, specifically. Just because he looks like a lot of the people in oh, Salt no, Lake City no, yeah, no. doesn't he, mean he wants to be with the people of Salt Lake right, City. Right, right. <laughs> I'll say I'm this, saying. though. I'll say this. Because yeah. the, Heat, the Heat did the KZ Akpala trade, which freed up an additional two first-round picks. So they went from having one to three usable first. Right. If the trade were to be Hero, Duncan, Robinson, Omer Yurtsevin, three first, with that framework or whatever for Donovan Mitchell, I would absolutely do it because you're really trading – you know, one guy that was in your playoff rotation and picks. And if Pat Riley's 77 and Jimmy Butler's going to be 33 and you don't give a fuck about first round picks. If I'm the Knicks, I want to ask you this question because I know you want to keep RJ Barrett. And I think RJ Barrett and Donovan, you're, you're working with something, but I don't think the, you, I don't think Julius Randall's in this deal because I don't think Utah's pairing Julius Randle with Rudy Gobert unless you get a third team and flip him elsewhere. But, like, if one, would you try to get Donovan Mitchell if you're the Knicks? And two, what would you prefer the outcome be if they were to make that move? Okay, so let's start with the one. The mm-hmm. one I'm about to say is not going to be popular for Knicks fans. No, I would not go after Donovan Mitchell if I was Ooh. the Knicks. I, I, here's, here's why. I, I don't know. I like Donovan Mitchell. I just think I see the limitations to him as a player. And, I'm again, he can still get better, but I'm not sure. He's a volume scorer right now that doesn't really make a lot of people better. Oh, Knicks fans, we've seen this movie before. This has occurred before. We've seen this where we traded for somebody who was a volume scorer. Albeit he was a little oh, taller. Oh, and I would no. say he's a better oh, player. Oh, shit. <laughs> but... We've done it before. And then I, what I ain't messing with that dude's fan base. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened? What happened? We ended up getting a player that took a lot of our future assets, right? Mm. But was probably better served as a number two than a number one. That's my problem. If you're or, now look, or he could I think he could have been we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. People yes, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. But I think Melo at that time could have been your number one, but you needed you needed some of the guys that they gave up in order to Car- make that work. Yeah, Carmelo and like Am- Peak Amari was actually a fine. Yeah, that team. was fine. That was a fine pairing. I but think the problem at, is at they peak. gave up. They gave up Felton, who was playing like an all star and all that shit. I so think sometimes I get, are, you, you make a good point though. I think there are guys who are really good in this league and have been really good. They're really great players. Carmelo Anthony's one of them. I think of Paul Pierce is another guy I think of like mm-hmm. this who were really good, but they they they're not in that like upper echelon of guys they're just a tier below Give doesn't mean they're bad players speak. they're just a, they don't those other guys they're not kd or lebron yeah. you know what i mean they don't make the other guys as better around them. They, they don't lift guys to that other level i don't see that for mitchell right now and i see him a lot in that mellow vein really really good not sure he makes my better now do i think he could cook if you keep rj the two of them together i do kind of like that especially if the Knicks can go get a point guard I don't mind that. Now, if you tell me they're going to give up Julius Randle in this trade, and they probably assume Obi probably would go too. There's going to be some young guys that are going to go. I, I would assume that Randle and Obi would go there, though. I I don't know what else. You, I'm thinking you're probably at least if you're giving up Randle, which I still don't, I'm still with you. You're going to need his money, I think. Y- yeah, you would need his money, but that's almost why signing RJ to an extension. 
and then get him out for Mitchell makes a lot of sense. It's hard for me to see the Jazz not asking for Mitchell. I mean, excuse me, asking for Barrett. That's yeah. very hard for me to see them not doing. But if they do take, if, they, if it's Randall, some young players, whether it's Grimes, Quickly, and Picks, yeah, I still don't love it. I, I, I just, I, I still, I know I'm in the minority of Knicks fans here. I know I'm in the minority of Knicks fans, but I think I'm thinking of this from the perspective of I've seen this movie before. I've seen what's happened. We traded for a star that's not quite that dude. And yeah. that's what I think happens here. You're getting a really good player. In my opinion, he's better off for, for Mitchell and the situation of what Miami's in. I was going to say that. I think it's better for him because he doesn't have to go there and be that dude. He's going to be a really good dude, but he's got another good score with him to support. And Jimmy Butler, who, as I said earlier in this podcast, is playoff proven. I think you put Mitchell with somebody else like that, fine. The Knicks don't have that yet. It could be RJ. Yeah. I don't know that. It could be. I'm just saying, if I'm, this is my real honest thing with the Knicks, and I'll let you go, B. Yeah. My thing is like, I'm actually more to just stick the course. I have an idea what I think they should do in this draft. You and I have talked about this in the group chat. I think mm-hmm. they should trade up. I think that's where you make the move and get the picks. Go If you think Jaden Ivey's that dude, which I think he can be, go get that dude at point guard. Build him with RJ around your other young talent. Now, a lot of that has to do on the coach. If he's going to play the young talent, <laughs> shout out to my man, Greg, who might be watching. He knows, he knows how he, I know how he feels about that. If he's going to do that, I'm more about that. I think there's this idea of the Knicks have to go get a star. And I'm like, why? Like, why don't you find that star in the draft? Identify that guy you think is really good with RJ, with OB, with the guys you have, and build and play and have a, keep that exciting young core there and build that way. You don't have to go trade for this star. I talked about this yesterday on that someone in your post with Mark Berman. And, you know, he's like he thinks the Knicks want to go for the star. And that's been part of their DNA and culture. And the fans want that. But I'm like, yo, you can find that star. That could be Jaden Ivey. Go for it. Take a swing in that way and build around the young core that you have without having to give up too much of that core. I just think that's the better move. You build your identity. You build your culture that way. So I'm out on Donovan Mitchell. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Knicks. I, I, I don't think it's uh, best for them. But I know other Knicks fans are not going to agree. So it is what it is. To your point. Because you make a great one where you say, like, basically, Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks, it's like, all right, now what with your yeah. build? It's like, all right, you're building around Donovan Mitchell and either R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle. What does that really do in an Easter conference where, you know, the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, presumably the Sixers, we think, aren't going anywhere? Um, the Raptors will see the Bulls. I don't have very much faith in them. The Hawks, maybe they'll bounce back. The Cavaliers may get a little mm-hmm. bit better, and the Nets are a wild card TBD. And it's like, are the Knicks going to leapfrog enough of those teams by getting Donovan Mitchell? The answer is probably not. So right. I think, I think, and the reason why he makes sense to Miami is because he's a missing piece in Miami. They need his shot creation. They need his alpha offense. So then it becomes. See, that's that's so the be- point. That's the point right there, Brian. For me, yeah, it's that you hit the nail on the head. When you go and trade for the star, but they're to start the process and they're not the piece, the missing, they're not the missing pieces, the case of Miami, it's two different things in terms of team building. Mm-hmm. The Knicks have done this before. Get the pieces you need, build the culture, and then you maybe want to go and get a star. Maybe you look at your team and say, oh, we could tweak here. Then we maybe go and grab yeah. this guy and add him into what we already have. 
The Knicks, my thing is you built a culture of playing hard the previous year. You had a disappointing year this year with some signings that didn't work. But the, you saw some things from the young dudes at the end of the season. Yes. Continue that. You don't have to abandon that. There's some good things there. Continue it, build that culture. But I think what the Knicks need to, if they're going to make a swing, go swing for a Jay Nivey. Identify a young guy that you think could come in and be a spark or part of this core, be that guy, and do it. Go be, get that guy. Be young, fun, and exciting. And when those other teams that we mentioned, some of those contenders sort of fade out, age out, doesn't work out for them, whatever, in a couple of years, then you have your ascension. Because I love, I Dex, I love the idea of Jaden Ivey and RJ Barrett together at Madison so do Square I. Garden. And even from just a marketing perspective, like the Garden would love these two guys with Obi Toppin, by the way. I should also mention that because I've seen more from Obi Toppin, uh, particularly the last, I don't know, two, three months of the regular season last year, where I was like, oh, this can be your future power forward, sort of Amari Light sort yeah. of guy, right? Like yeah. next to, next to, the other guys, like he can be, he can be John Collins ish to some extent, right? You know, we'll see about a yeah. jumper, but like I don't think that's an unfair comparison. And it's like, it's like if you get, I I like that idea more because that it just makes sense for where you are. And it's like, yo, if you do that, I think Nick fans will be fine because it's like, granted, you had your play, you had the playoffs, the taste of the playoffs, and it sucks to sort of backpedal, but you're building around like a true young core, like RJ RJ parents like 22 i think he might no he's not just, even 22 he, he i think he's about to turn 22 like this or next month or something like that yeah but he's he's really young really that's young. that's what i'm saying like, so is i keep the young core if you're gonna make a move go if you can go get a, if i'm the next i'm exploring every opportunity i'll keep saying it again i'll explore every opportunity to get ivy keep this young core you saw how exciting it was to see the young guys at the end season how they were playing when tips played them because i know that's the other key and listen, I'm going to say this right now. This is a big next season, no matter what happens in the offseason, is big for Tibbs. If he's not going to play the young guys, man, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Yeah. We like This needs to be about building culture. The Knicks have done some things, I think, actually the right way and haven't hit the panic button. Don't do it this offseason. And from what I'm hearing, I hear certain things that I think are good. And I'm hearing they're like, hey, they don't. Mitchell Robinson, they got a number. They're willing to sign him up. And remember, they're not willing to go above. And I think it's actually more likely that he doesn't come back to the Knicks. I agree. Because I think they're actually valuing how they pay their centers. And I actually think that's the right move. Because I like Jer- Jericho Play Sims. Play Nerlens Noel until Jericho, Jericho Sims. Sims until Jericho Sims takes over. Yeah, you know? it's fine. And I think those or are if smart. You, or if you find another, like, you know, if you, if you end up getting another center that you like, whatever. But I think, right. I think Jericho Sims has shown that he's capable of yeah, like at least being competent make the smart moves make the right moves you don't always have to go grab the star right now i think there's too much of what happens in new york and so yeah for me i'm out on donovan mitchell i just don't think mm. he's the guy you go after and get i just don't think i see it as and i'm not saying he's mellow because i actually think mellow's a better player so i want people to be very clear on what i'm saying yeah. i'm not saying he's mellow i'm saying he doesn't, he doesn't raise other people's game. He's not a playmaker that makes people better in that way. He's a volume scorer. Melo had the height, and he's just a, he's a better scorer. But Donovan Mitchell's a fantastic player. I just think he fits better on a team like the Heat and what they're trying to do now than the Knicks and what they're trying to do now. And so for me, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be out on that. And the tips thing is interesting because it's like he has this reputation for not playing kids, but like when he, he he's – We've seen him do it before with the Bulls, which is why I don't yeah, understand it. Like he played Derrick Rose, he played Jimmy right. Butler, he Jimmy played Joe Kim Noah, he played Taj Luau Gibson. Dang. 
New Orleans. Right. Like he played young guys. That's why I never. That's why when people bring up that narrative about Tibbs, and they get into it, it doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water at all. Like Ains developed guys because when you, it's not just playing them. They developed under him. Jimmy Butler, Lou Aldang. When people are like, oh, Tibbs doesn't play the kids. I'm like, yo, what do you do in Chicago? Like but, Butler, not, Butler became yeah. most improved player. Joe Noah became defensive player of the year and yep. an MVP candidate one year. Derrick Rose yep. won MVP. Who else yep. you mentioned? Luol Deng. Luol Deng became a damn good, like one of the best small forwards at one. Right. That's that, like this. This is what I'm saying. So he's done it before. I just think it, it's like does it align in the directive? And if you looked at what happened at the end of last season, as a Knicks fan, I think you got to hope that continues. You'll see if it continues or not, and I think it'll be very telling. Also, what they do in the draft. Look, if the Knicks can't move up in the draft and they're aggressive, and if they try, I think that that matters. If they not, I still think there's some good players. You can find talent around 11. I've been saying this, Brian. You and I have been having these conversations offline. Yeah. You can find, you know, I like Dyson Daniels. Mm-hmm. I like the Serbian guy, Jovic, uh, that's out there. You and I both Jovic, like his yeah. game. <laughs> I think people are sleeping on him. Um, yeah. And, you know, Knicks fans are going to get all nervous if they take the European player because y'all still on that bullshit. But, <laughs> like, we don't got to do that no more. There's talent all over the world, and there are good players. You can find good players out there. You can find all-stars out there. There's this notion that, yo, you can't find anybody at 11. What are you talking about? Donovan Mitchell was – we just talked about him. He was 13. And Ben was 14 right after. What, what are you talking <laughs> like, about? This, this stuff that people say, that, that this, this notion that people buy into kills me. I'm going to save this for more when we talk draft talk yeah, yeah. Uh, next week. But this notion always annoys me. Be a good organization. Go out and find the talent, identify the players, move up if necessary. Miami does it. Good organizations do it. The Spurs, Raptors have Raptors, done it. The Spurs yeah. have done it. Good organizations the do it. The Nets were doing it before they got into superstar culture, but they were doing right. it. Right. But identify the talent, find it, target. If you need to move up, you do. If you're not, somebody you like there, you're not. If the Knicks stay at 11, they, they grab somebody like Dyson Daniels, I'll be happy. I'll be very happy. I'm fine with that. If they take the Jovich kit. I'll be happy with that too. Oh, you'll be ecstatic if they get. Yeah, be, go get me the best player that's there at eleven that fits in. You don't have to hit a home run. The Knicks are not ready to me for somebody like Donovan Mitchell. And again, I know a lot of Knicks fans are going to hear this. So probably, we'll probably clip this. They'll see this. They'll be salty. Y'all be alright though. Y'all be fine. <laughs> Y'all be fine. All right, Donovan Mitchell might not want to stay in Utah, and we talked about Tyler Hero, but like the golfers right now, the golfers out here are leaving the PGA Tour, Brian. Out. Have you seen any of this with the Saudi-backed uh, LIV golf tour? Have you seen uh, any of this? And who's leaving? Phil Mickelson. I was going to uh, say I've heard about Phil Mickelson's involvement. Uh, I, yes. I've only heard a couple of things, but you know I don't really follow golf like that. So fill me in, please. I'm going to be honest. I don't really follow golf like that. I just root for Tiger. <laughs> but <laughs> but Phil Mickelson, you know, it was all the controversy. Um, about him, which I remember this was like back when I first started the new gig I'm doing. He had a, there was a quote that came out from a biography that's coming out uh, about him, um, about using the new league uh, to generate money from the PGA Tour, but because the Saudi money that was trying to do this and the whole thing about the set, the, the controversy, folks, if you don't know around the, the Saudi, Saudi money, yeah. money behind this tour is the human rights issues and violations that they've had. And so, you know, I could yes. actually speak to this from a wrestling standpoint because okay, go. WWE's had a lot of controversy taking some of that Saudi money, having yeah. events over there, which they've been doing for a couple of years now. And they pay a lot of money. I remember originally women weren't supposed to, uh, weren't allowed to go. And then at some point they said the women can wrestle, but they have to be fully clothed, basically wearing body suits 
yep. whatever the case may be. And um, wrestlers like Goldberg came out of retirement to go to Saudi Arabia because of the money. Uh, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, I think one of them actually like seriously injured themselves because they were, you know, older and like wrestling and things of that nature. People have joked, what if they pay money for Stone Cold? Will he go? Whatever the case may be. But this has been going on. They had an event called Crown Jewel, and I think they've had a couple others where, yeah, they've taken a lot of that Saudi money. And it's they're like big shows, too. You can see in the entrance way, whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. WWE's definitely had their sort of run-ins with this. But at the end of the day, they took the money because it's a lot of money. Apparently. Well, no, no, no. Well, that, but that's the thing here with the golf, right? Yep. It's so much money. There was so much heat on this. Mickelson took so much heat for all, all that he said. Um, I don't want to read the quote that came out from Mickelson that made it. He said, they're scary motherfuckers to get involved with. You know they <laughs> killed Washington Post reporter and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi. Have a horrible record on human rights, execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. As a nice guy, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Moynihan comes across as, unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right. The Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the Saudi uh, League to succeed. But just the idea of allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. So he said the quiet with, part out loud. That's Dan he Levitar said the quiet says. part out loud. And he's like, we can get this money and then we can we have the power. Okay, he's right. He's listen, and I know this comes across a lot of people. It's a whole bunch of like already rich white guys asking for more money. Like nobody's boohooing for them. But this is about the money, like Brian said with the WWE. Mm-hmm. They're gonna do this for the money. They're yeah. going to come and get the money. In this capitalistic society we live in, these guys are like, oh, more money, more power for us. And now I think this is the thing, and I haven't talked to more people about this, and I want to talk to more people about this, including my coworker, Mark Canizaro, who's very plugged into the golf. I really want to know, like, is the PGA shook right now? Because you got to be shook Probably. if you're the PGA, right? Several people have already left. What is it, Dustin Johnson left? I saw Ricky Fowler was about to leave, and ESPN, and uh, excuse me, not ESPN, the LIV Golf Investments, which is a Saudi-backed company that's going to be doing this, they're offering, they're going to have an eight-event tour this year, and they're going to be having a total purse for all of those eight events of $255 million. Right? <laughs> this is stupid money. Like, <laughs> stupid money. Question. So yes. the players, are they leaving – the PGA Tour, like as a whole, or just so just these events, just opting that's out of the these other, events. That's the other thing that I was going to get because Dustin Johnson just quit on. They're quitting the PGA Tour. You cannot compete in this and the PGA Tour. So basically, what a lot of these dudes are saying is we're choosing the money, right? This is this is exactly what's happening now. The PGA Tour is fired back, and I'm trying to find the exact quotes on this on what they've been saying. But they said something to the effect of. Look, if if we do this, then we're gonna ban you from the PGA. If you do this and leave, talking to the golfers that are leaving, we will ban you from the PGA Tour for life. Obviously, this also affects guys trying to compete in the Ryder Cup later this year. Yeah. So you're not you're not eligible for that unless you play in the PGA Tour. So there's all these things. But think about it. Somebody like Dustin Johnson, who absolutely will be on the Ryder Cup team, is like, okay, I'm gonna get this Ryder Cup money. I'm gonna get this LIV money, right? And because the money is so crazy and the purses are so much bigger than what you could do. And Dustin Johnson came out and said, now, I, again, 
everybody has to make conscious and moral decisions. And we know the Saudi money is not clean money because of the human rights violations. But also, there's also something to be said that money from anywhere in the world probably isn't necessarily good. I, I, I was going to say that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, like, we can't just shame the Saudis and act like American money is just pure and clean and isn't like, you know, exploiting people. Like, come on. Go to a golf tournament and ask the people that's working around there serving you food and doing stuff how much they're getting paid and how much the people are making off of it. Somebody's exploiting somebody. But I'm just saying, Dustin Johnson said, I need to do what's best for my family. I'm just interesting how the PJ was like, this is interesting. This happening, the failed Super League in soccer last year that's happening, the yep. stuff, Brian, that you're mentioning about the WWE. And how like where money is coming from to fund other things in sports is interesting. Yeah. Also, a possible Super League ish thing that may come about in college sports, particularly mm-hmm. college football. Mm-hmm. Now with the NIL shit that's going on, like that that's sort of been rumored about, like happening down the line. Yo, and we we're gonna have to do this with Murph another day because I want to talk about this. You hit you hit on this with NIL. The NIL, it's funny. I look at this, the NIL. You can take the NIL, you take NIL in terms of the NCAA. You can yeah. see what you just mentioned, which is a great point. You can take golf in the PGA Tour. This was bubbling PGA Tour a couple of months ago. You saw this. Phil Mickelson says this. You didn't think other people were going to come and take the Saudi money? You think other people were going to say, hey, there's a $255 million purse. The field will be smaller. Which increases my chances of winning yeah. this money. Even yeah. if I come in fifth, I'm still getting paid crazy. <laughs> right? I could play. I could have a bad year on the tour. I could be injured like Tiger, and shit's not going to be good for me. They're like, man, we're going to take this money. PGA, that was your cue to say, you know how we control this? We got to step up the money. They didn't do that. It is what it is. And now big names are going to be gone. There's some young big names, too. And here's the other thing, too. People might start wanting to watch these LIV events because the big names are there. This is the same thing that can happen in college sports. NCAA, y'all had a chance to do right by all this with the NIL stuff. You could have paid the players. Mm -hmm. You decided to not play the players. Now there's an argument that NIL stuff, people are like, oh, the NIL stuff is getting out of control. Yeah, it probably will because it's probably going to be some shit. There was always shady boosters. You don't think there's going to be shady business people? There's always shady business people. That's going to affect some of the kids. Some of the kids are going to get involved with some bad people. That was going to happen. But this could have been controlled. You could have still kept the talent. You could have still paid the players. But y'all were too greedy. And that's what it comes down to. And so somebody with deeper pockets, somebody with other opportunities, Brian's going to come along. This wasn't happening. I'm not here. It's hard for me to be to put on this judgment till hat and say, Oh, well, those players shouldn't take the Saudi money. Human rights violations. Yeah, there's things that's going on in Saudi Arabia and things they're doing, murdering people because they're gay and all this stuff. Horrible. Definitely horrible. But again, I think there's a fair argument to be made that there probably isn't a country that exists in some sort of capitalist society that also hasn't been doing horrible things that aren't right by necessarily people in some way. It might not be to that degree, but to some, to some degree. And people make choices about where they take their money and who they work for all the time. Don't act like all of y'all believe in who you work for, because I know y'all don't. <laughs> like not everybody out here is rocking with who they work for. People, we've trust me, people. You need to look at some of the people you've worked for. You probably work for people whose values do not align with yours. We all probably have done this and made all choices about it. Yeah. So, 
Because that's because, all I'm saying. Especially because you know companies are owned by rich people, and who are the people who are often rich? Usually, if mm-hmm. you're rich, you're probably compromised in some way. That's how it is when you guys to that point. Especially when you go higher up the pyramid, because yep. billionaires, etc. Like, come on. So, and you know the Saudi stuff is shitty, but like people are just making those conscious choices. Same thing WWE did. It's like we could we could stand on a moral high ground about this, but also like given our history, speaking as you know, if somebody if if I'm the WWE, given our history, it's like what moral high ground is there to stand on? We've already done mad fucked up shit anyway. And this is, again, this is a fuck ton of money to a company who has been releasing a lot of wrestlers, as we've talked about on this podcast over the last couple of years, who some people think may be getting ready to sell at some point. That stuff matters to the concept, the context mm-hmm. of it. Stephanie McMahon has stepped down apparently from her role and is uh, doing stuff with families. Uh, uh, Shane McMahon is not even with the company anymore. Vince McMahon is, I think, the last McMahon left in the company and is probably, you know, he might sell before he decides to retire at some point. So, like, that's a conscious decision there. And then with these golfers, it's like, it just boils down to shit. This is more money than I could ever get. Yeah, and I have I'll, a chance I'll, at it, I'll, and I'm good enough to get a chance at it. And as you said, the playing field's smaller, whatever. So much smaller. It it sucks, but it's like at the same time, it's like, and you know, obviously, it doesn't need to be said. Like we don't approve of how they get down over there, but I don't blame people for choosing the money because at the end of the day, like this is every, as you said, every capitalistic society, this is what it is. So this is what it is, and they're just doing decisions that already people are making. I just want to give people the money so they can understand what we're talking about here. Right. So the organizers, LIV, they want to spend 200 million uh, about in, in euros, 188 million on eight events this year. The winner of a single event would earn four million dollars. OK. And to compare this so you understand the scope of just what would happen. This is just for whatever tournament they're starting. In comparison, the winner of this year's PGA Championship, Justin Thomas, you know what his check was? Two point seven million. That one point three million <laughs> matters to them. Right. The overall winner of the new series will be looking at an income of $18 million. So as long as they competed in at least four of the eight events, even the last place finisher of the 48 competitors, because the first tournament for this is Thursday in London, this Thursday in London is the first tournament that they're doing. The last place person makes 120 grand, right? Which is interesting because now think about what happens if you finish, you finish in the middle of the pack. You're somewhere between 24th and 28th. You're still making pretty good money. Yeah. Right? Right? 120 grand is higher than most American salaries. Yeah. <laughs> Consider this too, people. You know, Players like... on the PGA Tour have to make the cut in order to get part of their prize money. Right? At the LIV Golf Invitational Series, there is no cut. So everybody goes home with something in their pocket okay the only compromise is instead of four rounds they play three rounds so they play 54 holes oh and you get to play less and And you you get to play less (laughs) and you play less now what this will not make you happy just so you know uh trump is trump your boy trump is involved in this of course Uh, a couple of his courses will be used uh, I'm sure he's probably involved in the, in, in the funding of this. But yes, but Brian, if play, anybody's going to do business with them, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you play less rounds. OK, you playing less rounds. You everybody gets paid. <laughs> you basically are paid just to show up and play the rounds. Right. Everybody gets paid. And you telling me that 
Ain't that the American dream? Work work less, get paid more. And this is what they're out here doing. Again, no matter how you feel, you can't you can't kill these guys, but you got can also understand why they're making this business decision. Oh. See Mike Mike Phillips checking in watching us live. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Um all I'm saying is it's a hard thing to say no to, dog. I you, I, you know? I I get that. I get that. I, I get it. I get it. It's a hard thing to say no to. I'm just yeah, very I'm intrigued. glad I'm not in that position to where I have to choose. Trust me. I'm very intrigued to see how many more players join. And I'm also very intrigued to see how the PGA responds to this. Like, that's the interesting thing to me. Okay. You know, you know how much money they would get if if they were to get Tiger Woods? Like, Tiger Woods, I think, has already come out and said that he's not um, – He's not going. Well, he don't need to because he. I mean, just he's Tiger Woods. He walk outside and ten million dollars falls into on his shoulders. But like, if they were to like, you know, they're trying. You know how much money they would probably. But he's the one person. He's the one person to be like, I don't need that. Like he literally doesn't need it, right? Like he he literally doesn't need. I mean, you still got some big name name golfers there. There's still and it, Ricky Fowler is saying it's close. It's like that's like starting a, a basketball league in Saudi Arabia and like getting Devin Booker and. Fucking, you know, Donovan Mitchell and some of these guys we're talking about to go over there. You know, listen, that salary money is gonna be funneling through other places of sports. Mike, we appreciate you, man. Let's Ooh. go, Rangers. We we were gonna say it will say that. Brian, I was gonna ask you a little bit. Oh, let's hockey. fucking go, Rangers. What you let's mean? Diehard Ranger fan over let's here go. during the playoffs. During the playoffs. <laughs> the playoffs. No, I, I enjoy hockey. I just don't I, I don't it's one of the only sports that I've never covered in any capacity. So I just don't – I'm just not able to watch it like that. I've been locked into the playoff runs. People, if you've been following me on Twitter, FanDuel and I, we collaborated on a New York-centric parlay that was one Yankee run away from hitting. It was a Francisco Lindor hit. It was a Pete Alonso hit. It mm-hmm. was Yankees minus one and a five. Of course, they won by one. And it was for Chris Kreider to get over half a point. This was on Sunday? This was on Sunday. Yes. Gotcha. All okay. it was plus five sixteen or whatever the case may be, and the Yankees let us down. But it's all good because we're gonna do another one this week. We got we got Mets, we got Yankees, we got the Rangers on Saturday. Presumably, yep. if there's a game five, I believe, which there should be, and we have Edgar Berlanga fighting this weekend. He is from New York. He's fighting at MSG Theater. He from is from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Unfortunately, from Brooklyn. Xander Zayas will not be on the undercard, but. We'll, we'll, we'll include uh, Edgar Berlanga in this part. Of there. Exactly. All right, real quick. We got two topics hit real quick. Uh, we're going to real quick on the baseball here since you brought up the baseball. Uh, look, Mets and Yankees, they've been off to a good start, man. And I just feel like, yo, we could see a, a Subway World Series again, man. It could happen. Real quick, I will say this because I'm not going to stay too long on this topic. I've been really impressed with the Mets. The Mets are a fun team to watch. The Mets have what the thing I texted this to my cousin last night. She's a diehard Mets fan. I said to her, I said, you know what I like? This team really wears on the starting pitchers. They make them work in the yes. first inning. They have yes. a lot of quality at bats. When I'm watching the Mets right now, the way that they play the game reminds me a lot of those Yankees teams of late 90s and early 2000s. Mm. A lot of quality at bats, work the pitchers, good chemistry, um, pitchers that come through. Even though the Mets have had their two aces out, I've been really impressed with this team. Um, and I'm not going to just wax poetic about the Mets. I'm a Mets fan, but the Yankees have been really impressive too. Uh, this is a team a lot of people pick to finish third, sometimes fourth in the division. The pitching has been tremendous behind Garrett Cole. Um, the bullpen has been fantastic. Michael King looks great. Uh, Clay Holmes has been fantastic in the pen. Their pen looks good. 
I, I, these teams are going to be interested to see what they can do with the deadline, what kind of players they pick up. The Mets splitting in the Dodgers this weekend, despite you know not having their best players on this road trip. They're on a winning road trip right now, three and two when we record this. B, I've been really impressed with the Mets and the Yankees and what they've done getting off season. It makes I think it can make for a very exciting summer continuing through baseball here. And these teams look like they could be definitely classed. These both these teams can make noise in the playoffs. I just like how they're playing the game right now. It, it's very fun to watch. Going to be a lot of all-stars coming from New York baseball teams this year. I want to say this. To, to put into context of how good Francisco Lindor has been with runners on base this year. Yep. He had 43 RBIs uh, a couple days ago. He now is 45, but I tracked this uh, the, uh, recently. You know how long it took him to get to 43 RBIs last year, Dex? <laughs> he didn't reach there till. let me guess. I'm going to say he didn't reach there until probably middle of August. It was like September 4th. Wow. September 3rd, something like that. Wow. And he's at 45 now, which he did not reach until September of last year. Well, you and, and I both felt like year. he would have a good year this year. We both felt good about that. I thought last year was just a weird anomaly. I think I don't think we've talked enough about how the pandemic may have messed with some baseball players because, like, basketball, you could conceivably go shoot somewhere if you can find a rim because they took rims down at parks and gyms and things of that nature. But, like, for baseball, it's kind of like, what do you do, especially if you're a pitcher? You know, mm-hmm. so maybe there was some – because there were some other guys that had weird seasons last year, and I feel like Francisco Lindor is back on track. I also want to shout out a Buck Walter because I think he's one of the only managers that matter, apparently. Because in baseball, you don't get that a lot. Like managers, I don't think typically swing, you know, teams in that dramatic sort of way. But it'd be it'd be it'd be an oversight to say Buck Showalter hasn't had an impact, right? Yeah, I think I think the impact is like managers. I don't think swing the teams game to game, but I think they can swing the culture very mm-hmm. much. And this is a very together team, and people have been around and talked to him about it. He's got this team is really together, and you could just see it. The guys like each other. Um, I love watching them play. I love it. I love watching them play. Eduardo Escobar had the cycle last night. Everybody's, you know, doing the fucking thing and shit. Yeah, it it reminds – they have a good togetherness too. Reminds me of that 06 Mets team that just missed the World Series. That togetherness is there too. So I like it. I think – listen, the Mets, you know, we're both Mets fans, both grew up Mets fans. I think they could win the World Series. I felt like they could before this year. No Scherzer and DeGrom in there. And Grom, and I think 19. that's the thing that's impressive to me. They've been doing this without them. And when the, if those guys, if and when those guys come back healthy, I think they're scary. I think the Yankees are for real, too. Yeah. What they're getting out of their lineup, um, the guys who are settling in, I've really been impressed with their starters and their bullpen. And look at, look, at, look at the Yankees. Some of them guys in the starting rotation, not big names. Mm-hmm. And they've, been, they, they've, they've actually got some guys that they've developed and it's been good. All right, we'll talk more baseball down the stretch. Well, Both teams, I expect them to be active also. Uh, I do. This summer in terms of I trades do. and things of that nature, especially because, you know, unfortunately our boy Dominic Smith. Yeah. yeah. yeah come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, all yeah. right, I want to talk a little quick, really quick, some hip-hop before we get out of here. Um, June 17th, uh, big day of releases. Uh Although I, I, said, I sent Brian a text last night that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, I didn't see Brian's text until I got up this morning. But uh, Joey Badass is dropping his album 2000. Logic will be dropping his vinyl days. And Lupe Viasco is dropping his album. I believe it's called, what's it? Uh, I forgot the name of the album. Trap in Zion or something like that? I'm forgetting the name oh, of the boy. album. I'm definitely um, excited about one oh, of those Oh, Drill Music albums. in Zion, not Trap. Drill Music in Zion. Sorry. I'm definitely yeah. excited about one of those albums. I'll tell you that right now. I'm excited about really excited about two 
Sonically, I was excited about one, but then I saw the track list, which I sent to Brian last night, and I feel like I'm no longer excited. Mm. Uh, let's start with that first. That is Logic's yeah, Vinyl up. Days. Logic is going to be using a lot of samples on this track from different stuff from, from this album, from different things. And that was exciting in terms of what he talked about the project. I wondered what was going on with the project because he's been releasing a single every week. And I haven't really listened to them because I was like, oh, I want to listen to it. And then every the week? Album. Oh, he's going to really probably for about the last four or five weeks, he's been releasing a single every week. But then I understood why because the album is 30 tracks. Now, I think there's like eight skits in the tracks, so it's like 22 songs. But it's a 30 track album. I don't have to tell y'all. Y'all, if you've been watching the podcast long enough, you know how I feel about long albums, particularly hip hop. Okay. You know how I feel about it. This, like, logic. I know you're coming back. I like what you I expect some of these songs to be really short, but still, it's 30 tracks. Ain't nobody got time for that, bro. Anybody got time? Like, you know this. You've made good albums. You've made good tight albums. I just would like to ask logic why. Like, why? <laughs> Like, why? <laughs> That's all. I just want to know why. Like, you can rap. I like what you're probably trying to do here sonically. You generally get some good production, but why? Just... I'll still give it a listen. But you let me know how it is. I'm only looking forward to Joey Badass on this list. But I also want to point out that something yes. I just laughed at disturbed me. So those aren't the only three albums coming out that day. Apparently, hip hop albums, right? Hip hop albums. There's others. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, there's a list I pull up often, hip-hop in 2022. I see Kevin Gates here. We won't talk about that. I see an album called Drillmatic. Mind versus The game. Fun. The game. Yeah. When does that out. drop? Does that drop on 17th too? Apparently. Oh, that's correct. That is another one that drops there. That is another one. So the game who said 2019 was going to be his last album, okay. an album that I really liked, by the way. You like that album more than I did. Album, uh, like, uh, rappers don't retire, TM. So, you know, we'll trademark that. Uh, just because a lot of everyone says this album's going to be their last. Never fucking believe them. Daddy Yankee retired last year. I think he'll have a verse by the end of this year. So um, the game's album is actually executive produced by Hitboy. I saw and, that. Uh, DJ Premier and Mike Dean are two of the producers on the album. I, so. I will say, when you tell me something like that, it does make me a little not that I would Drillmatic is 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 mm, mm. See, I don't here's judge the judge a book by its cover. But. Yeah, well, okay. Don't judge a book by its cover <laughs> and the sound. Game who's known for the name dropping. I just think you shouldn't And for play. trying out a lot of different styles, we'll say. Yes. I also think you shouldn't play with a classic album name or two classic album names, Stillmatic, Illmatic, whatever you want to say. You shouldn't <laughs> yeah. play with that at all. You should just leave that be. But Unless you're going to do Elmatic like Elside, that was different. That was a mix. Good, he's playing homage to the album. But here's what I like. Hit Boy's executive producing this. Game is somebody who I think can make an album as good again as he did with the documentary, but needs to sort of be reined in. I have a bad a really... feeling this is going to be like 18 songs. Uh, I was better than, <laughs> that's better than 30. <laughs> I, I, like I can live clearly, I can live with eighteen. I love I like the Kendrick album, but like yeah, but yeah, I just know. But even that, I still would have rather had been shorter. But that's a whole other story. I just when I see an album and I see eighteen songs, I'm like, I know there's going to be like at least two or three of these that I'm just, I just yeah. don't need. It's it, I just feel probably usually already. usually more usually it's so so I, I listen. I, I there's a lot to listen to that day, and I'll be flying back from Seattle. Joey Badass first. 
Absolutely. I'll be the first listen. Yes. Because I will Joey, listen. Joey Badass, I just want to do it like 60 seconds of Joey Badass. No, no, more than 60 seconds of Joey Badass. Yeah, because the, this was, I think our album of the year for 2017 was All American Badass. Like both of us. I know it was for me. I'm not sure. No, was my, mine was 444. Oh, yeah, it was 444. Yeah, okay. it, that was number two for me. All American Badass was number one for me. And he has not dropped a proper album since he yep. dropped the EP, which we really liked. There's yep. a couple songs from there that I still play. It was a three pack. There's two songs that I still really play a lot. That's a great slugging percentage. But I I think we've heard from Static Select on this podcast, and we should get him back. But we heard a, we heard from him early on in the pandemic saying that Joey Badass is sort of his biggest obstacle has been Joey Badass because he's you know he wants he doesn't want. He, he he does he allows perfect to be sort of the enemy of good and he wants to put out a bona fide classic he's motivated to do so and keeps rearranging things and et cetera et cetera so it's good to see that he's finally going to release this after five years of not having an album uh Kendrick Lamar same thing when he released this was his first release since damn so I'm expecting Joey to have a high level something that we talk about at the end when we do our albums of the year in our top tens. I expect that wholeheartedly for sure. I expect it. I, you know, it's funny. The name of the album, 2000, I, I was like a follow-up to 1999. Very interesting. Um, I like the two singles he's released this year um, that we still don't actually don't know if those are going to be on the album, but I have liked it. Um, I like some other things he's been playing off of it that sonically sounds good. I expect good things from Joey. Um, I expect and, some old school Joey too on album. Yeah, and I think because he's been so focused, like Static said about that, Static will be on the album's production on the album. We know. Good. Um, he, this is I agree. Clearly, the most, the one that I'm most excited for. That it's going to be the first listen. It is a midnight listen. Number two, probably for me, will be Lupe. And the reason for that, might be game for me, honestly. Next, it's going to be Lupe for me. And the reason for that is here's the reason for that. Could have been the game because of what you said, and I think you're right about this. Very likely the game will be an 18-track album. Lupe, at least I know, is going to be a 10-track <laughs> album. I actually like the first single that he's released, and I think it would be nice to see Lupe hopefully good. I'm hoping it's good. It's something that seems tight and structured. He's working with Soundtrack, guy who he's had a lot of good production with. He did Kick Push, some other tracks with him. Hopefully he's focused. I think just <laughs> excuse me, working with one producer – I think it could be good for him. 10 tracks. I like that album, that it's going to be pretty tight. That should be good. I probably will then go to game and then Logic and his 30-track platter I'm going to save for last. But I'm excited. I think I'm really excited for the Joey Badass, probably the most because of what he's had to say in five years. And also, Lupe hasn't said something in a while. And so I want to see what he can do musically if he's owned it. He said this project is like his Illmatic. Interesting. But so we'll see. All right, um, man. We'll see. But I mean, I, I mean, I trust Lupe to make a, Lupe can make a really good album. It's just if he's not all over the place. That's what it comes down to. But we'll see. We'll 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 we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I got to run. This is all the time that we have for the Ain't Hard to Sell podcast today, episode two twenty six. We thank you for rocking with us live. If you missed this, caught this at the end, you can watch a replay on YouTube. We we'll also have this out on all audio streaming platforms for you guys to listen to. Next week, we'll, we'll have um, some fun stuff to talk about. We actually got to talk about what we're going to do about that because I will be out in Seattle. Um, so that will be uh, interesting in terms of what we'll do for that. But we got the draft coming up. We got some other, a bunch of other stuff to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Free agency. You know we're going to have a free agency show for you. We might do a live draft show again this year. Brian and I are going to We might go live that. for both, honestly. We might go live for both. We had fun doing that last year. So there's a lot of things to, to talk about. Uh, summer's coming up. 
Uh, we got Summer League, whole bunch of stuff. So really, really interesting. Uh, he's Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. We will be back again with more for you. Again, support us. Follow us at AHTT Podcast. All the other places you support us, we appreciate that. We will be back with more for you guys to enjoy. And until next time, y'all. Peace. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>